there, everyone. I'm Andrew Fulton, your host of the Rigway Podcast. Episode five is going to be great. Today we are talking with Rig Senior Project Manager Clayton Glenn. Clayton manages Rig's Alaska division for the company's rope access work in the land of the midnight sun. Before we start the conversation with Clayton, we want to thank everyone for listening to episode four. We hope you enjoyed that conversation with Trevor Whitkey, and I especially want to thank those that have subscribed to the podcast. To the contractors that are listening, Rig Rope Access is an IRATA operating and training company. IRATA is the Industrial Rope Access Trade Association, and I'm going to share with you IRATA's aims and objectives from their website. So here they are. To be the leading worldwide organization for rope access, promote and maintain high standards, safety, work quality, and working practices for the industrial rope access industry dedicated to improving best practices for individuals working in rope access, promoting continual improvement in the education and training aspects of rope access, and increasing awareness of the advantages of rope access over alternative access methods. So there you have it. Those are the aims and objectives, and those are why RIG is an IRATA operations and IRATA training company. IRATA is the highest standard in the rope access industry, and that is definitely the RIG way. All right, Clayton, thanks for your time this afternoon. I know you're super slammed with all your responsibilities up there in Alaska right now, so thanks for joining us. Absolutely. <clears throat> Happy to be here. Awesome. So, Clayton, you're an Alaskan. How long have you been up in Alaska for, buddy? Uh, we moved up. June of 93. It's four years old from uh, Longmont, Colorado. Wow. So you've almost Johnstown been up there. For... Is where we lived. Okay. You've almost been up there for 30 years. Yep. Why'd your family move to Alaska? Um, I think uh, my dad, it's always been a lifelong dream of his to live up here. And uh, he's in the Glazing Union, uh, or was retired now, but he, I think he can move around anywhere. Um, there's probably some work opportunities up here. Probably why we came that way. Okay. Excellent. Was your dad a, a fisherman? Is that why he was drawn up there? Yeah, I think so. Uh, he did a lot of hunting and fishing while we were in Colorado. Um, they were born in Sacramento. They did a lot of fishing and stuff there as well. Uh, and then, yeah, moving up here, he did some hunting. Um, and then I think he kind of transitioned to be a full-time fisherman more. So not a ton of hunting anymore, but uh, definitely fishing. Okay. So you grew up in a construction family. Yeah, for the most part. My mom... Uh, when we lived in Colorado, she was a project manager for a construction company. I think basically uh, did roadways, a lot of roadway stuff. Um, and then my dad has always been in the Glazers Union or some kind of construction trade. At what age did you start in construction? Um, well, I, uh, I got a really early interest in life um, or early interest in welding. Sorry. Um, early in life from a friend's dad. I mean, I was probably six years old when I watched him welding out in their yard and wow. was pretty intrigued by it. And then I uh, became friends later on in life with a guy whose dad was a boat builder. So then mm. once I saw people building boats and the stuff you could do with welding, I was pretty much uh, hooked at that point. And then uh, from there, I got into, uh, I got lucky with giving a friend of mine a uh, ride to work every day and at her uh, stepdad's shop um automotive shop so and i just quit leaving there or i quit uh quit just never stopped hanging out there i'd always 
hang out there and see all the cool stuff they're doing. It was way cooler than going home and doing laundry and dishes and other chores. So um, I pretty much just hung out there until he offered me a job. And I started working there and all the way through high school as a mechanic, which is way cooler than all the Taco Bell grind that my friends were doing. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I got into uh, architectural drafting in my freshman year. And that kind of gave me a taste of getting into like the construction world a little bit. And then my junior, senior year, I did a welding program through the other high school that I had to commute over to every day. And, uh, you know, once, once I started welding full time, I knew that I wanted to do some kind of skilled labor for sure. Awesome. So you have a CAD background, so you can sit down and do some drafting. That is super essential for what we do for work. I've been doing a lot of CAD this last week for a gig we have coming up. And how did you uh, get introduced to rope access and blend that into what you did? Um, so the welding program in high school, um, doing that. And uh, I had a friend of mine that lived next door and his dad actually ended up being the uh, regional operations manager for a rope access company at the time. And uh, he kind of came to me just as a, uh, Knowing, knowing I'd been welding, asking me if I wanted to weld off ropes, you know. Cool. Uh, it started, you know, my senior year, I think, or something like that. He, he asked me if I wanted to come do it, and I, I told him I couldn't do it. I, uh, I needed to <clears throat> graduate first. And so I thought I missed out on my opportunity there to, to do it. Um, so I went ahead and went to college and started doing the whole drafting thing, thinking I wanted to be an engineer. And I saw a lot of guys, guys who were on their third, fourth year there that, we're still making $12 an hour and as a, you know, drafter and stuff. And he came to me and just said, uh, do you want to go make $25 an hour off the ropes? Well, and I was like 25 an hour. That's a ton. Yeah. So I, uh, I dropped all my classes like the next day and just uh, went for it. I think the next week I was, I was in a rope access class or something like that. So, that's classic. So, yeah. I mean, wow, that's, that's just right out there into the fire very quickly. I mean, so you did your level one up there in, yeah. in Anchorage? Yep. Um, uh, the company that I got involved with, they're actually in the uh, bay next door to where the rig shop is now. Um, so, you know, coming full circle, I'm in the same place I was 15 years ago. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I did my level one here at the shop, and I think I passed my level one on that Friday, and I was heading offshore on Monday. So it was kind of one of those things. Wow. Yep. Uh, you're a level three and you're a trainer. So to get to uh, that, you know, you've got a lot of time on ropes. What would you say most of your time spent on ropes was doing in the beginning of your rope access career? Um, I mean, I've, I have majority of my rope access career is offshore here in Alaska and Cook Inlet. Um, I've, obviously, I've obviously traveled all over the states and just done, you know, everything from coal industry to, you know, stadiums, everything. Pretty much everything in between, um, oil and gas, you name it, refineries, been there everywhere. Yeah, and I mean, I've done, I do have a lot of uh, instructing background as well. I've been instructing. Started out as an assistant instructor years ago, as probably level two or something, and then uh, so I've been training ever since then as well. You yeah, enjoy training? Hours on all kinds of stuff. It, yeah, I mean, it's something that's it's up there. It's probably not my number one priority, I'd say, but. Uh, I do enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. When did you first meet uh, Chad and Bob? I got to know about that. Uh, Bob 
was through training. Uh, he was training for rap, I think, or um, I believe. Um, and I was probably an assistant trainer for him. I did a lot of, I was one of, you know, one of the only locals around for Alaska. So I was usually their go-to on assistant trainer um, for the most part. And then Chad, he came up, man, I don't remember what year it was, um, but he came up with Salmamusia and uh, we traveled around the peninsula doing light bulb changing and I think some bridge crane inspections and some other stuff, just uh, just random work all around Swanson River project there. Yeah, it was a good time. Well, that's cool. Salmamusia, that's a name, a blast from the past. I spent a lot of time with him when I was young, that's for sure. He's a classic guy. <laughs> Yeah, obscure obscure classic for sure oh yeah no doubt about it so let us uh let listeners know about some of your responsibilities at rig you guys clayton is a senior project manager for us he you know takes care of when we do have training in alaska he manages that he manages our projects up there he staffs our teams up there you know how long have you been doing this role as a project manager <clears throat> um i think i've been in this this role here for uh, at least a couple seasons, um, maybe officially for yeah, a couple seasons. Uh, definitely was had my hand in it prior to that as well. Um, yeah. The yeah, I mean, as far as my responsibilities, I mean, it's um, just maintaining this 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 uh, asset we have up here, right? It's a kind of a constant thing with just keeping this place up to date. I mean, we don't just use this facility for training; we, it's our base of operations. So there's uh, lots of stuff coming in and out going, you know, lots of wheels turning. So it's just keeping the, keeping the ball rolling up here. Um, you know, we have B and I Rata partner. We have lots of stuff to keep up with. Um, you know, it's, we have lots of gear and inventory and inspections and constant stuff to do that in that side of things. And then, yeah, the training, uh, you know, it ramps up pretty hard in the summer. We're real busy in the summer with training and stuff uh, in the wintertime it's consistent enough to where it's a full-time thing up here. And then, uh, yeah, otherwise the, the projects, you know, they come and go and we constantly getting more and it's uh, just a matter of keeping everything, you know, organized and rolling pretty much. Do you have any projects that are your, your favorite? Like when they come onto your plate, you're like stoked. You're like, all right. I mean, I'm all about the offshore stuff. It's uh, that's my, that's kind of my bread and butter, my, my ex, you know, wheel of expertise there or whatever. Yeah. It's the, uh, it's, it's my comfort, it's comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything offshore that you really like doing out there on those platforms? I mean, these leg, ins the leg inspections and stuff that we do are great. Um, but our, I think when we get into big demo jobs is where we really shine and it's like kind of all of our favorite things. We get, get to do yeah. a bunch of extensive rigging. We get to do, you know, working with cranes and torches and just all the fun yeah. stuff. So I think that's kind of more our style. But that's the stuff we like. That's awesome. So in this, uh, as we wrap up this first little section where we learned about you, do you have any projects from the past that you look back on? You're like, wow, I'm glad I did that. Or wow, I hope I never have to do that again. Any stories stick out for you? Yeah. I mean, uh, the main one that I, you know, I just, and now that I'm becoming the old guy here, I, this uh, this last week I was offshore with a bunch of guys. I end up telling all these kids these same stories while we're out there. Um, yeah. But uh, on the steelhead, we went in. Um, they have a cut shoot pipe that you know all their drill cuttings come out of the from drilling, and they get 
you know, sent down a pipe and, and discharged under subsidies. So at some point in time, this pipe broke and it filled their entire leg with mud. Um, wow. Steelhead is one of the deepest ones out there. It's about 260 foot or 230 something feet to the bottom of that leg. Wow. And we were only able to get 50 feet down. It was so full of mud. So a um, bunch of crews, lots of months of rough work. And what we ended up coming up with is going in there with paddle suits, like dry suits on and uh, using a jet hose that we kind of made ourselves and jetting all this mud and turning it into a slurry until it was, you know, up neck deep. And then you'd, kick on this big hydraulic trash pump and suck it all out and then just kind of rinse and repeat for months on end until we got to the bottom. Uh, it was a huge operations. <laughs> wow. But it was a good one. That could have been an episode for Mike Rose's dirty jobs for sure. Yeah, he wouldn't even win in there. It was terrible. <laughs> Too horrible. I love was, that. So It was a, one of those places, a mixture of fun and danger. <laughs> yeah, a mixture of fun yes. and danger. Probably cold, but those dry suits, you know, they kept you warm, but sounds like a gnarly yeah, environment. Mean, the first time we went out, we were pulling water directly from Cook Inlet to use to jet, and it was October. Um, and we were coming out of that out of that lake doing a shift, like pretty much hyperthermic. It was not wow. cool. So wow. that was the first part of the job. We ended up having to shut down and regroup and uh, find a better way. And uh, <clears throat> luckily one of the operators out there that just knew his stuff, knew exactly where we should be pulling water from that would give us nice, you know, hundred degree water to work with. And once we got that figured out, it was just, no, you know, we were, you know, stopping us at that point. We was like a sauna in there. We we're loving it. So. Well, that's a job you'll tell your kids. That's for sure. And you tell all these young guys out there. So little, little nugget of wisdom from you, you know, for these young folks starting out in construction, what would be some simple basic skills that they should apply to their life just to be able to get up and do what they're supposed to be doing every single day, which is being a successful contributor. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I mean, right out the gate, like the first thing that I always am talking to these younger guys about. Um, that are getting into it, not necessarily the day-to-day, -day, but finances, man, learning how to deal with that stuff right out the gate. Like, uh, you know, some of us, I mean, I definitely did not make the right choices early on. And, you know, I was like, oh yeah, lifted trucks, big, you know, fast cars, cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> so definitely would have, uh, if I knew a little more than I know now, would have been better. Um, you know, learning it early in life is always better. Um, other than that, the day-to-day, -day, it's just like, uh, being respectful and like knowing how to communicate with, with some of these people either on your team or clients or just, you know, other work groups in general, knowing how to communicate with them changes everything. It's like if you annoy them or, you know, you're saying the wrong things or you're just being obnoxious. It's just, it starts rubbing people the wrong way and it, it makes it for a bad time out there. Um, other than that, um, the one I see a lot is being a team player. It's like right. making sure that, you know, putting your hands on something, it's like do what you need to do. Or if you don't know what to do, then you need to ask, ask what to do, stay busy. Um, you know, and, uh, it just keeps everybody on the same you know, page and all the, all the team players feeling like everybody's working equally. I love yeah. that. That's great advice. And so I hope our listeners and the young folks that are getting into 
construction, the trades and rope access, they heed your advice there. I mean, finances, you know, sometimes the big checks are great, but sometimes they're uh, few and far between. And so saving your money and planning for the rainy days is key. Being uh, good at communication, learning when to speak and to say the right things and to talk to the right people and being a team player. So I love all that because uh, those are values that uh, I know that uh, we want everybody to have on the team. <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to go into this next section. It's really exciting because this is where we get to help people kind of forward their careers. A lot of people don't really know how to take their game to the next level. And so that's the uh, next little part two of the Rigway podcast. And we're going to ask you some really fun questions about all that. All right, everybody. So now we're going to talk for a little bit on what it takes to have a successful career in the rope access industry. Clayton, earlier we talked about project management and that, uh, you know, that's a big role that you take on at RIG. How many years into your rope access career did you feel that you were ready to start taking on that role? Or were your bosses just kind of putting you into that position by default because they needed help and felt that you were capable? Oh, ready. I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely taken years. You know, it's uh, one of those things that it, it's definitely your experience. Or in my case, it's more of my experience has put me in a position to take on this role for sure. Um, plus, you know, obviously my leaders uh, feeling like I am in a position that I can take on this role and, and help, you know, further the company by managing these projects up here. Um, yeah, it, uh, you know, I had a lot of really good mentors and stuff like that through the years that made me um, probably, you know, have the knowledge that I have today to do the job that I'm doing. So um, pretty much. Mentorship is key. It's hard to grow without mentorship and somebody guiding you. Um, I felt that that was uh, something lacking in my career path when I was uh, young, growing up in the entertainment industry in Las Vegas. There just wasn't really too many people to look to, to like, I'm going to do it this way. So is there anybody that stands out in your mind that you feel fortunate that you were able to rub shoulders with and be in their shadow? Yeah, I think early on, Scott Henderson was probably my biggest, uh, you know, mentor. I mean, he was, he trained us in our level ones here and then, uh, you know, mentored us for four or five, six years after that. Um, and he just had everything so dialed as far as, you know, what we were doing and how we were doing it. Um, you know, I still to this day do little things that he taught me over the years for sure. Um, and then more, more recently, I mean, I, without Bob and Chad, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at either. It's like those guys you know, <laughs> helped me so much. I've learned so much in the last two years. It's just crazy. So those guys are fantastic for sure. They, and they take mentorship seriously too. You know, uh, that's one yeah. of the things I like about those guys. So when we become project managers, that pretty much means that we kind of understand almost every facet of the gig. So I think it's really important that, you know, when we're planning these jobs, I mean, 
there's things we don't know what we don't know. But the main thing is looking at our crystal ball and going, oh, man, what am I planning for here? I mean, there's things that we can easily know that we're going to need. And then there's things that you better like, oh, I'm glad I packed that in the toolbox. So working offshore, you're putting teams together that have to work together for weeks on time. You're having to deal with logistics, getting everybody out there. You're having to do scheduling with the clients of when we can do the workout. I mean, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, that is not easy. What is, what is your focus when you get a project that you're like, all right, this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. Like you said, you, you start understanding every facet of it, but you know, there's always unknowns. Um, yeah. It can just, it can get overwhelming quick, but I mean, being able to, kind of line it out and what you need to do and then figuring out the schedule and you know of, of how many days it's going to take what how many people and all that stuff and then uh what needs to be accomplished right and then once you go from there i, I usually can have an idea of what techs i want because i know most of these guys very well right i've been working with most of these guys my whole life so, or my whole career so um and then you know sometimes curveballs get thrown at you and you don't know you can't use some of the team members you thought would be the best for the job. So you got to kind of just kind of take those as they come. And then, yeah, I mean, safety is always in mind. So it's like, as long as you can get it put together where it could be done safely um, and be done properly, then yeah, it's it, the other challenges that come along with like up here specifically, or just some of the logistics and then offshore is just like, um, you know, we're dealing with helicopters and boats and, um, you know, weather. It's a cook inlet has second fastest tides in the world or something like that. So it's like, it's just, uh, there's, you're always dealing with something out there. It's, um, that can make stuff more challenging for sure. Yeah. My next question was going to be, what do you feel is the most complex part of pulling these gigs off? Yeah, I think, um, that's, that's definitely, you know, it's the planning process is, is one thing and in, in getting everything set up beforehand, but there's always unknowns that happen while they're out there and just dealing with those logistics on in a timely manner. It's like, sometimes, you know, um, you'll, you'll rush something down there quick to get it down there fast and, and there's weather and the helicopter can't fly or something, you know, there's always something going on out there that makes it a little more difficult. Um, you know, or just the number of work boats they have or personnel, you know, or sometimes the crane operators aren't available on this time. So you got to wait till a different time. It's just, there's always like some, you know, something going on that makes yeah. it challenging for sure to get stuff going out there. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing. You guys are working out there and pulling these jobs off like you do. My standard question that I like to ask you guys is, Tell listeners the essential skills to have that complement a career in rope access. There's a bunch of them. There's, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, like rope access is, is just a tool, right. To add to your quiver. Um, it's just uh, any skill trade you want to get into is, is going to better you and make you a better rope access technician. Uh, it seems like the most common two that uh, always come up with rope access are NDT and uh, welding, right? Um, Non-destructive testing, it's just being a CWI or being a ultrasonic tech or a mag particle tech or something like that. Um, 
makes you go a long ways with rope access because it seems like there's a lot of inspections that go along hand in hand with rope access and then knowing how to repair those things um, which most of the time comes to welding right um, and then other than that it's rigging uh, electrical I mean we do a lot of stuff with lighting if you are HVAC tech we do there's I don't know how many jobs I've done where we just change the belts on an HVAC unit wow. and uh, but you gotta have a certified HVAC guy there with you right so wow. it can be something simple or you know very very uh complex right but i think just yeah um i would say welding and ndt are the first two and then having some rigging background is huge as well all right so you heard that friends ndt welding rigging hvac electrical skills probably some um painting skills too come in handy here insulation skills you know it's all needed and like Clayton said ropes are just the way to get out there to do the work you know so in your opinion should people wait to be trained or should they go get the training themselves what do you think about that uh, I think it's all kind of like where you're at in life and what you got going on but I think you if, if you want to be a rope access tech uh, there's and you can you have the means to go pay for that class or you know a way to do it then just just schedule yourself in and do it um if especially if you're not a skilled tradesman and you're looking to become one with the rope access um you know a rope access company will definitely look at you more if you have a irata or sprat and we tend to really love when people are ambitious enough to come do it themselves right yeah. it's like that just uh, says something about somebody right away but other than that, if you're already skilled tradesman, you already have a bunch of welding certs, you already have some NDT certs or something like that, and you just start seeing, you're inspired by a rope access team you saw or something, you might be in a position where a company like us is willing to hire you on and train you. So it might yep. work out better for you in the end. Um, but either way, even if you are a skilled tradesman and you have the means to go pay for that class yourself, do it. Because most of the time, like a company like us, it's like we have guys come through our training programs all the time that are you know, hey, I'm a welder and I'm going for my level one myself. It's like, are you guys hiring? It's like, absolutely. Where's your resume? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's like, it, it's just one of those things where even if it just gets you in here to network as well. So, yeah. you know. Um, some assertiveness and some initiative in taking your career into your own hands will take you a long ways because you might get the first phone call from Clayton, you guys. <laughs> you go. It's a um, very one good of, chance. Yeah, one of the gentlemen we hired this year in the Cook Inlet, he walked in off the street and uh, came in here and said, I want to get into rope access. I have a background in welding. Uh, wow. We hired him on. He's been on. He's been on a few hitches with us this summer, and he's just working out great. He's, he is what he said he was. He's very ambitious, and he's a great welder, so we're happy to have him now. It, it happens. It, it does happen. So That is fantastic. So that being said, this guy just came in off the street, came in and met you and started developing a relationship with you. He was able to do what he said he could do. He proved himself to you. How important is relationship developing in our business? Because you've been doing this a long time. You've worked for several different rope access companies, but you've been working for the same clients, huh? Yep. So you're a familiar yep, face part. out there. Yep, for the most part, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, not just within your team, clients-wise. It's like I, you know, I'm I'm working with guys that were 
or, you know, no guys that were roustabouts and, you know, rigger crane riggers or just a welder platform welder out on those platforms when I first started. And now they're lead operators, foremen, you know, um, or moved on to other fields that are, you know, uh, different companies client, but they're still the same person. And, and you can just having a, a relationship with them that you've held over these years is huge. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm getting calls, you know, here and there that just guys I've worked with in the field, you know, back in the day. And they're just like, Hey, I'm now a manager of this, you know, what, yeah. uh, are you still in rope access? And you're just absolutely, man. You know? And so it's just that relationship you built can, yeah. can you know, can come forward and, in any way you know you never know so yep you never know where people are gonna go and grow i call it go and grow with their careers you know the guy you could be working shoulder to shoulder with this week could be your boss next week Absolutely. <laughs> we've all seen it so it's just really good you know and, and clients you know they want to know that they can trust you they want to know that they can depend on your word and that just all boils down to integrity you know that they feel like you're taking care of them and that you have their best interests. And, you know, share a quick story with us about uh, your crew up there, the team knocking out a cool project this summer. What'd you guys do? So this summer we've uh, mostly been focusing on the low tide leg inspections, which we just go out there and we're, you know, monitoring uh, corrosion and uh, damage from the ice and whatnot. Um, but one of the bigger accomplishments this year is man for a decade, we've been uh, wanting to remove this, this old rusty platform that's been hanging over our heads and you know it's got to the point in the last probably five years we refuse to go under it because the thing is about to just fall in fall in the inlet and hurt somebody so we just haven't gone around it it's been been four or five years we've not even been close to maybe longer and uh we finally were able to you know get with our client and make a plan and get that thing demoed out of there which is just like it's just a amazing accomplishment for you know probably a decade of of wanting this thing gone and and now it's nice. gone and our and our you know our crew went out there and crushed it they had like four days to do it before their low tide inspection started and they just i mean as usual slammed it out of the park right just went out there safely it was all removed and just a bunch of good rigging i mean this stuff was rotten so they had to do some brainstorming and some problem solving to get this stuff up and out, you know, without yeah. dropping it or anything like that. And it was, as usual, they just killed it. So that was probably a good one for this season. Uh, it's fantastic. I'm sure the client was thrilled too. Yeah, we're, we're all we're all happy it's gone. It's such an eyesore and a danger to everyone. So it's That's not cool. not just us, you know. It's like we're trying to. You know, a lot of divers work under those platforms. Mm, so yeah, it's like good point. Getting something like that out of the way to just make sure it's safe for other work groups too is huge. Hey man, can you share any last little bits of wisdom in this section about individuals that are looking to kind of grow their career, how you've done it, you know, either become an, a, an instructor or a project manager. What are some little things that they could do, you know, over time to get to that point like you've done? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I kind of always say, you know, it's, if you're early in these careers and you want to make in your rope access career, it's a, uh, being a yes man is, is huge um, because you're not going to learn every little aspect of your job unless you're out there doing it. Right. So, yeah. And some of these guys out there that are just the, the masters of this rope access. So some of these guys we have, um, 
you know, they're not going to be around forever. So get out there on these jobs and, and, and learn from them because they're the ones that are going to make you into a manager later in life. So it's like, you know, they're, they're, that's, yeah. I mean, you got to go out there and learn every bit of it. You got to learn everything you can, um, you know, whether it's just the trade skill or learning how to organize these jobs. All right. Now that that's awesome. And then I'm going to wrap up the second part of the podcast by saying that our company rig loves how great Clayton is you guys at taking care of business up there in Alaska, because there's not a lot of people who can do this, who have the experience, who have the reputation and the trust developed from the clients that we're servicing. So it's amazing. Uh, everybody just sings your praise. And I love hearing your stories and talking with you. It's super great. Man, you're a great addition to the rig team. So up next, friends, Clayton is going to share with us what it's like to live in Alaska and have some fun adventures up there in the great white north. All right. But before we dive into that, we're going to give a shout out to our incredible partner in all things rope access equipment, that being Petzl. Rig Rope Access is a Petzl technical partner, and we're honored to be so. And I'm going to read from you from the Petzl website what it takes to be one of their technical partners and the associated benefits. So here you go. A Petzl technical partner is a recognized expert company or individual in a vertical environment that demonstrates a thorough understanding of their respective industry, contributes to the development of best practices, and meaningfully integrates Petzl into their system and curriculum. In return for this promotional support, Petzl endeavors to share our information, our products, our time, and our resources to ensure mutual success and sustainable growth. That right there, friends, is why Rig Rope Access is a Petzl technical partner. Petzl is such a fantastic company to be aligned with. Rig loves Petzl. Well, here we are, Clayton, the Adventure Time segment of the podcast. Clayton, at the top of the show, you said you've been in Alaska since 1993, nearly 30 years of living in America's wildest and most adventurous state. What do you love about Alaska, Clayton? You haven't moved back down to the lower 48. <laughs> no, it's it's still wild up here. I love it, right? Yeah. Um, it's just, I, I have traveled all around the States, and I've never, I kind of always explained it, I've never found anywhere else I'd want to live. So, um I keep coming back here always and I just, yeah, I definitely love it up here. Uh, there's just so much to do and so, so many places to go. I mean, there are 30 years and there's stuff I've never seen still. So oh, you have a lifetime. I've been yeah, to Alaska exactly. once. I went on a climbing trip up there in 1994 to Denali. Um, we didn't summit. We got pretty close, probably an hour from the summit. It was just so crystal clear day, super windy, but it was probably about, you know, well below 40 below zero on that summit push and we didn't have the boot boots for it and i didn't want to lose my toes and then uh after that gig we went and worked in the uh or we i went and worked in the canneries in kenai and down in petersburg and uh boy did i learn some lessons there about what i didn't want to do in life <laughs> right <laughs> that was absolutely it was gnarly man uh Alaska is such an amazing state, and uh, man, Alaskans are a special breed. So, what acti outdoor activities did you do growing up? You know, what what did you love to do? 
I mean, we've always been around snow machines and uh, you know, or snowmobiles, as you lower yeah. 48s call them. Um, but snowboarding was a huge part of my childhood. I mean, that was constantly snowboarding. Um, never did. I, I got a little bit into the backcountry stuff. Uh, I definitely, you know, splitboarding and all that, what it is today was not what it was when I was a kid. So it's like sure. not as much into that. And, uh, but other than that, it's, you know, we're always just outdoors doing everything. I've got a lot of friends that have dog teams. I've helped with dog teams before. I've wow. done some other stuff here and there. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, <laughs> there's so much to do, right? You just got to do it. So dad told me you have a cabin up by Telkeetna. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what's taken up my most current amount of time. Right. Is, uh, and actually that's even taken a left turn, uh, we're, we're, we just bought 120 acres actually in Caswell Lakes. So we're, uh, we're moving towards developing that. <laughs> so, okay. That's exciting. Yeah. Yep. What kind of uh, outdoor activities you getting your kids into? You're a father, you got three kids, fishing, snowboarding too. And... Yep. Uh, they, uh, this, this last winter, we didn't do any snowboarding. I hurt my knee in November. So we, uh, we were pretty out of the snowboarding game this this i mean they did some you know but without me helping them it's hard um other than that it's like my kids are just little motorheads they love four-wheelers dirt bikes snow machines anything they can ride so they have they have a couple little snow machines that we stay busy on so riding all over the place <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing Tell us what uh, you've got to have a, a bucket list adventure or a couple that you're like, man, at some point in my life, when I have the time, I'm going to go do this. What would that be up there? Man, uh, you know, I've, as long as my knees and stuff hold up, I, I've, I've been wanting to do some of the a little more of like a heli adventure, which, oh. uh, you know, I think we're actually kind of, we're kind of planning something like that maybe come this winter with some of the rig guys. So um, you know, getting up on, on a drop it in, you know, some cool face on a helicopter would be fun. Um, other than that, I mean, like, right, right. We're kind of living our bucket list right now of wanting to <laughs> yeah. buy this big, buy this big piece of land. Right. And, uh, and develop it into a little bit more of a self-sustainable living kind of off grid setup. So, so build a house of, out there. Yeah. We're going to, we're building a house. We're planning on going full time there and we're going to try to keep it off grid if we can. Wow. Can you plane. drive to this property? Do you have to fly in? No, you can drive. Uh, it's okay. 15 miles past Willow. You, you can turn off the highway there and go up. And I will have about a half mile of unmaintained road that I'll have to maintain myself. And wow. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's probably kind of the bucket list adventure, and we're actually living it right now. So, oh, And a lot of work involved with that, too. I mean, the work yeah, never yeah. stops in Alaska. <laughs> no. Yeah, there's no boring no, days up there. Absolutely. One of my bucket list adventures that I would like to go do up there, I'd like to go see the Brooks Range. Right. And I'd like to see some caribou herds. I'd like to see some muskox. I've never seen a muskox. Um, and I'd, I'd love to see a polar bear from afar. I'm sure you've yeah. probably seen some polar bears, huh? Up there on the north yep. slope. Yeah, uh, this up in the on the leases like Prudhoe Bay, I haven't seen. I think I've seen one, but we went, we did a job out at Kaktovik one time that was just, and they were about, I think or no, I think that while we were there, they ended up getting a whale. The native village there, they got a whale. 
So they drug that whale up on a beach and started, you know, butchering it and stuff. And next couple of days, it was just like a flood, you know, I don't know what a, I don't know if you can call multiple bears a herd, but it was just, I think we, at one time we counted like 30 or 40 bears. So Polar bears. Yeah. Yeah. Polar bears. Yep. Man, that, that is that's, North that's America's Yeah, it's uh, they're they're just impressive too. I mean, they every morning you walked out, you'd see fresh tracks on the door you're walking out. So it's like, yeah, it's definitely a. <laughs> we had one come up pretty about thirty foot under us. It was we were up we were up on ropes, so we were safe. But you're yeah, about as close as I want to get. <laughs> I'm sure on its hind legs, he's like eighteen feet tall, almost pawing at you. Oh man, that is that is a absolutely. Classic. It was pretty funny to see such a big animal. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. Well, hey, I'm gonna wrap it up with that. That was great. Um, what a fun conversation. You know, Alaska. What a place to go work. What a place to go work. You know, it's uh, takes a tough breed to work up there. We're gonna be talking with a couple other uh, rig rope access um teammates that live up in alaska here in the near future you get to hear some more cool stories and man we really appreciate all your insight and i know our listeners the young up-and-comers in the rope access industry you know they need your nuggets of wisdom for sure and your mentorship so uh we appreciate your time and you know i uh just can't i look forward to our next conversation again so friends thanks for listening to the podcast as mentioned earlier our goal is to educate inspire and entertain you for a few minutes of your day a couple times a month we hope you enjoyed the episode so if you have any questions please ask reach out to the rig instagram facebook or linkedin pages and we'll get back to you and uh clayton thanks so much man really appreciate you yeah absolutely. thank you it's great yeah and to close i want everybody to remember this we love saying it as always when you're doing things the rig way you're doing things the right way